Well, good morning again. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Uh, we're going to continue our series on Through the Storms, and uh, we are so glad that God has given us the ability to continue to meet like this, um, even though it's not how we want to meet, uh, we can still meet and worship together in the Word of God. Uh, we started last week a, a series on Through the Storms, and we looked at worry and how that worry can be debilitating to our faith and to our walk with God and that it doesn't change anything. And today we're going to be talking about fear. I heard a story about a little five-year-old boy named Johnny, and he was helping his mother in the kitchen as she was preparing supper, and she asked him to go down into the pantry, which was downstairs, and get her a can of tomato soup. But he didn't want to go there alone. He literally said, it's dark and, and I'm scared. So she asked again, and he persisted. Finally, she said, it's okay. Jesus will be there with you. So Johnny walked hesitantly to the door and barely opened it up and very slowly peeked in. He saw it was dark, and he, he started to leave, and then he thought for a minute, wait a minute. And so he said, Jesus, if you're in there, would you hand me that can of tomato soup? And we laugh at that because that's true. We, we've seen fear in kids, and yet we all would realize that all of us are gripped with fear. And during this time in our, our history of, of our country and of the world, we've all become a culture of fear. But some of us live in constant fear. Some of it, it's not just what has started with the coronavirus. It's been going on for a long time. And I believe with the coronavirus and everything that's going on, the media has not helped this pandemic with fear. Listen to what one professional journalist said. He said, studies have shown that an overabundance of news can make you depressed, anxious, and for the most part, doesn't usually provide you with the ability to actually change or influence anything reported. Later on, they were to say that news organizations are predisposed to show you negative news because fear triggers the more primitive parts in our brains to keep us watching. Think about that. There's a sense of fear to keep you watching, to keep you in fear. I love what motivational speaker Zig Ziglar, how he defined fear. He said fear, and he used the acrostic, F-E-A-R. Fear is false evidence appearing real. But fear affects all of us. Even people who you might think are very courageous or, or secure. I heard about Peter the Great, the great conqueror of Russia, who had literally walked hundreds of miles to miss walking over a bridge because he was scared of bridges. And during this pandemic, we've been bombarded with negative and fearful news, allegations, and even the unknown. And people are in a constant state of fear. The world is filled with people who are being treated with all kinds of phobias. And you've heard of all kinds of phobias. Probably the well-known phobia is claustrophobia. We know that is the fear of confined spaces. There's zoophobia, which is the fear of animals. Probably everybody now is microphobia, which is the fear of germs. There's actually one, it's phobophobia, which is the fear of fear. And then I'd hate to be this person, a panophobia, which is a fear of everything. Some of those are not new, and some of the fears that we're facing are not new. But I would just say this, if you have lived in a constant state of fear, then the coronavirus and all this pandemic has just brought some of those fears to surface. 
People have been afraid for years, though, about losing their health, their wealth. They're afraid of losing their friends. If you're a parent, you're afraid of losing a child. Many people may be fearful of losing their family. And the sad reality for us, as I want you to understand, is the church has even become people of fear. Now, before I give you the negative of fear, I want you to understand that fear is not bad in of itself. Fear is actually a productive, protective mechanism that God put in all of us. Some of you may remember Franklin D. Roosevelt made this statement. We have nothing to fear but fear itself. And that was a great statement during that time, but it's not true. There's a lot of things to fear besides fear. Think about it. As long as there's bees that sting, snakes that bite, and people that drive in downtown Nashville, we always have things to fear. We're always going to be trying to protect ourselves. So actually, God gave us the protective mechanism to fear things that could hurt us. But the Bible tells us that there's also a positive fear about fearing God. In fact, the, the fear of the Lord in Proverbs 1, 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Jesus also taught us in Matthew 28 that we shouldn't fear men who kill the body, but we, that we should fear God who can kill the body and soul. So when Jesus is saying fear God, he's not talking about how we're talking about fear of, of being phobia about God. But what is he talking about is he's talking about a reverential fear. It's not that you cringe before the Almighty, but that you have a holy respect for him. Let me illustrate it this way. I want you to think of an electrician. Electrician has a fear of electricity. And if, he, if he's a good electrician, he has a good fear of electricity so that he can keep his job and his life for a long time. Now, what I mean by that is that he doesn't start working on electricity and goes to touch a wire and starts trembling and crying. But what I mean is that he knows what's in the wire. He knows how it's working. So he has a respect for that power. And that's how it is with God. We are to have a holy reverential fear of God. The great preacher of yesteryear, Adrian Rogers, put it this way. The fear of the Lord for Christians is love on its knees. The man who fears God the most loves him best. So I'm not talking this morning about the defeating the fear of God. What I'm talking about this morning is defeating those things that we should not be afraid of. And in our text, we know that Paul was in prison in Rome, where Timothy, his son in ministry, had been with him. At this time, Paul was in Ephesus, so, so Paul, I mean, Timothy was in Ephesus, so Paul wrote for him to come. And all of Paul's friends, we know, if you read the, the passage, you'll find out that they have abandoned him, probably due to being fearful of men and being in prison themselves. And so, this is the last epistle that Paul wrote. We know this from 2 Timothy chapter 4, when Paul is talking about he's expecting to die. We could say that this is Paul's dying counsel to his son in ministry, Timothy. And we've talked about this before. Remember, last words are lasting words. So every word here is important to Timothy. And as you read this epistle in verses 3 and 5 of chapter 1, we see this, that Paul had a, a, a love for Timothy. He says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing. I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, and then he tells them about the heritage that he has. So Paul deeply cared for Timothy, but there was a problem that Timothy had. 
due to Paul being in prison, his mentor, doing it this, during this time in Christianity, if you came out and said that you were a Christian, you're more likely to either be put to death or persecuted. And so there was a fear for Timothy not to continue in the faith. And so Paul is trying to tell Timothy, listen, you have to be effective, and here's how you have to be effective. And so he gives him kind of two dangers of being in fear in the Christian life. First of all, according to verse 6 and 7, we see that fear will cause you to forget. Fear will cause you to forget. Look at verse 6 and 7. It says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Apparently from this text, Timothy had been given a wonderful gift of service, but he was not using it. Why? According to this text, it's he'd forgotten it because of fear. That's why Paul said, I remind you. And from what we know about Timothy's assignment, what we would say that Timothy, Timothy's gifts were, were pastor slash teacher. And Paul knew that Timothy's flame for ministry had not gone out, but that he had not stoked the fire to keep it going. And we need to understand in our life that spiritual gifts must be developed. They must be exercised and they must be used. Think of it this way. Just as a person with a natural talent to play an instrument must practice constantly so that they can improve. And I love this thought. God never calls us to service before first equipping us for that service. So Paul is telling Timothy in verse 6, remember the gift that is in you. Remember what God has done for you. And then he connects verses 6 with verse 7 with the word for. He says, for God has not given you a spirit of fear. Church, listen to me this morning. It is not God who gives us the spirit of fear. It is Satan. When you live in fear, you take your focus off of God. You take your focus off of His gifts. You take your focus off God's ability, and you place them on whatever fear that you're facing. This morning, the opposite of fear is not courage. The opposite of fear is faith. So Paul is telling Timothy to overcome his fears by developing his faith. And he reminds Timothy of some of the other gifts that God has given, and that God has given to all believers. Once again, you need to be reminded that Paul and Timothy were living in a time that if you were a believer, if you gave your testimony, if you testified of Christ, you were persecuted. So Paul tells Timothy, God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but of power. That word power literally means the ability to perform an activity. The Greek word here is where we get our English word dynamite. It's the same word that Jesus used when he was ascended into heaven in Acts 1.8 when he told them that when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they would receive power. And when you were saved and I got saved, Jesus Christ gave the gift of spiritual dynamite through the Holy Spirit. We need to remember not so much the gift as the giver of this power. This is the power of God who is all-powerful and God's power lacks nothing. Remember, we have the power of the resurrected Christ living in us. Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it's the power of God. And as believers, we should never be timid or afraid of anything, especially when it comes to sharing the gospel of Christ. Why? Because the Most High God is on our side. Psalms 27.1 says this, 
The Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? During this time, many of us have been overwhelmed with fear. The fear of death, which Christians should never have the fear of death because Jesus Christ overcame death. We may have the fear of being sick. We shouldn't have that fear because the Bible even says in our weak times, that's when we're strong. That's what Paul said in Corinthians. He said, I would rather boast in my infirmities, in my hardships, in my difficult times, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So you as a believer, you have power this morning. You also have the spirit of love. The word love here is the unconditional love. It, it literally means this, looking past myself. In our society, here's what we have. It's all about what you can do for me. If you love me, you'll do these for, for me. But as a Christian, if you love as Christ loved, it's always putting Christ first and others first. And when I love like this, I look past my fears and my problems to the Lord. William Barclay, in his commentary on Timothy, states that pastors like Timothy must love their people so much that they will never find any toil too great to undertake for them or any situation threatening enough to daunt them from doing what God's called them to do. We ought to love people regardless of our fears. 1 John 4, 18 says this, There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. So what is this saying? And I want you to listen. This verse is not saying that if I love God, I will never be afraid. It literally means that I don't have to be afraid because God loves me perfectly. So during difficult times like we're facing in our world, we can say, as Brother Adrian Rogers would pray, Lord, no matter what happens to me, I know that you love me. And because you love me, and because you are all-powerful, all things will work for good to them who love you and who are called according to your purpose. So not only did Paul tell Timothy, God's given you the spirit of power, he's given you the spirit of love, but he's also given you the spirit of sound mind. Literally, this means discipline, self-control, or a discerning spirit. In the book on the pastorals, Sir Robert Faulkner defines sound mind as control of oneself in face, I love this, of panic, of passion. In panic or of passion. When we are in our society today, everybody is in panic mode. And we need to understand as Christians, we will have discipline over panic. When we rely on Christ, we realize that he can keep me safe and he can keep me sane. And when we have an unhealthy fear, it means we're not afraid. We're afraid not on the basis of reality, but we're afraid on the basis of Satan. Once again, I'll go back to what Zig Ziglar said, how he defined fear. Fear was false evidence appearing real. We need to remember that the fear that we have, we need to ask ourselves, is this, is this real? Should I be afraid of this? Should I, should I be going into panic mode or should I be trusting God? I'll give you a verse, 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in this world. Always trust him. So first of all, we see that fear, that fear will keep you, uh, make you forgetful of what God has given you. But it also, fear will paralyze you. Look at verse 8. He tells Timothy, Therefore, because of what I've just said, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God. Uh, when I was uh, actually skinny and, and could play basketball, I can't because I'm old now, I heard this quote in college, and, and I loved it. 
because it's not only good for sports, but in general it says fear causes hesitation, and hesitation causes your worst fears to come true. Think about it. One of the things that Peter was fearful of, remember Jesus said, you're going to deny me, and Peter was like, I'm never going to deny you, but yet Peter had this unhealthy fear. In fact, it was so unhealthy that Peter denied Christ three times. He was paralyzed by fear in the high priest's garden. And due to the persecution of the church of his mentor, Paul, Timothy has become paralyzed of sharing the gospel of Christ. When Paul wrote this to Timothy, Christians had no peace. There would not be any peace for over 300 years. Christians were slaughtered and burned alive. And so when Paul is saying, do not be ashamed, I don't want you to think that Timothy was already ashamed. Paul is saying, do not start being ashamed of sharing the gospel. Why? Timothy is writing this in prison. He's telling Timothy, listen, I'm writing to you. Do not be afraid of the suffering that I have because this suffering is because I'm a believer. Fear will keep us from doing what we know we should do. Jesus in Matthew 25 gives us the, the parable of the talents. If you remember, he, he gave three different indi individuals different talents. But one of the servants didn't do anything with the talent that his master gave him because of fear. Literally, he says this. He says, I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Listen to me, church. What is it that is, what fear is keeping you from doing what God has called you to do? Fear will keep some of us from using the voices that God has given us to sing for His glory and for His honor. Fear will keep some of us from going to work and witnessing for Christ. Fear will keep you from being the man that you need to be in the house. Fear will keep you from being the woman that you need to be in the house. Fear will keep the young people from standing up for Christ. We need to understand that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. In fact, the Bible goes on and on and tells us that we should never be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Romans 1, it says this, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. Drop down to verse 12 in our, in our passage. Paul is telling Timothy, he says, For this reason I suffer these things. Nevertheless, what he says, I am not ashamed. But we can't stop there. He says, For I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. The reason that we have fear is that we fear man more than we fear God. And Paul is saying, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Trust Christ. Focus on him. May I ask you, how has your fear paralyzed you? Have you stopped sharing your faith due to fear? Is there something that God has called you to do, but you refuse to do it because you're afraid? Listen, get back to God Focus on Him and cry out to Him. So what do we do? How do we win over this fear? I'm going to give you an acrostic of fear. Here it is, the first one. Focus on God. Focus on God. Psalms 34 says this, I sought the Lord and He heard me, and He delivered me from all my fears. Here's an assignment I'd like for you to do this week if you're just overcome with fear, is read Hebrews 11. And it will reinforce God's faithfulness in your mind. And you'll see what God has done with men and women in the Bible who had great faith during difficult times. Let me give you some examples. Through Noah, he saved the human race. Through Abraham, he gave, he gave him his own nation and blessed other nations through him. Sarah, he gave her a child when she was 90 years old. 
He delivered God's people through Moses. He collapsed the walls of Jericho through the obedience of his people to a strange command. He made a hero out of a prostitute. And the list goes on and on and on. And if you and I want to just get over fear, we have to focus on God's faithfulness. And remember that our God is unmovable. Our God is unchanging. Our God is not shaken by anything that's going on in this world. He is in complete control. Thank God he doesn't leave us during difficult times. Do you remember Peter when uh, Jesus was walking on the water and Peter saw Jesus and, and Peter said, Jesus, if it's you, let me come to you. And Jesus says, come. And Peter gets out and he's the only one to walk on water. But you remember what happens? He begins to see the winds and the waves and the storm and he became afraid. He took his focus off of Christ and he began to sink. Peter would later on write in 1 Peter to cast your cares upon the Lord. But can I tell you where he got that from? From the psalm from David in Psalms 55 that says, Cast your burden to the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. I saw a bumper sticker, and I love it. Here's what it said. Every opportunity to fear is also an opportunity to trust God. So during this time, focus on God. Number two, eliminate negative thoughts. Your mind can literally kill you. Your mind can literally play tricks on you. In his book, Scared to Life, Douglas Rumford cites a study that shows why we shouldn't fear. It says 60% of our fears are totally unfounded. 20% are, really, are already behind us. 10% are so petty they don't make a real difference. 5% are real, but we can't do anything with them. And only 5% are real, and we can do something about them. So the reality is that we are fearful of things that we have no control over. Make sure that you are doing what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, and I won't read the whole thing, but it'll be on the screen, is to take every thought captive. The devil wants to control you with fear, but you have to take every thought captive and take your thoughts and judge it up against the Word of God and see if it's real. Another challenge I'd have for you is to memorize Philippians 4.8 where he says, to think on these things. And what is that? Whatever is pure, true, honorable, right, lovely, good repute. If anything's of excellence, if anything of, of praise, think on these things. One of the first things that you could do to overcome fear is start focusing on what is true, what is right, the Word of God. Focus on those things. Also, activate your faith. Remember, we said that the opposite of fear is not courage, it's faith. And the only way that I can please God, according to Hebrews 11, is through faith. Think about Joshua. We talked about this two weeks ago. Joshua was afraid of the daunting task of leading the Israelites after Moses. So God tells him to activate his faith. And he tells him, he says, listen, be strong and of good courage. Don't be afraid. Do not be dismayed. I'm going to be with you. Basically saying, listen, Joshua, you got to get to the point where you start doing what you know I've told you to do and be strong and courageous. I love Psalms 56, 3 through 4. It says, whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. I will activate my faith in God. I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. And then he says, what can flesh do to me? And then last. Rest in God's presence. God doesn't walk out on you when fears come. When this whole thing happened, God didn't leave us. God has not forsaken us. God is there with us. In fact, we have a choice. 
We can either choose to fear or we can choose to be in God's presence. We can choose to focus on fear or we can choose to focus on God. Isaiah 41.10 tells us, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I, I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. And then I think of the Psalms 23 that everybody goes to. You know what verse 4 says? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because the presence of God is with me. We have no need to fear. So you may know this, but the early American Indians had a unique practice of training young braves. And on the night of a, a boy's 13th birthday, after learning, um, hunting, scouting, and fishing skills, he was put to one final test. And so they placed him in a dense forest to, to spend the entire night alone. Until then, he had never been away from the security of the family and of the tribe. But on this night, he was blindfolded and taken several miles away. And I want you to think of this in closing. When, when he took off the blindfold, he was in the middle of thick woods, and he was terrified. Every time a twig snapped, he visualized a wild animal ready to pounce. After what seemed like eternity, dawn broke, and the first rays of sunlight entered the interior of the forest. Looking around, the boy saw flowers and trees and rays of sunlight. But he also saw a little path. Then to his utter astonishment, he beheld the figure of a man standing just a few feet away from him, armed with a bow and an arrow. It was his father. He'd been there all night. And though he had been fearful, though he'd been afraid of all these things, his father had watched him all night. Church, hear me. This is how our Heavenly Father treats us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. Even in the midst of our deepest fears, He is there and He's ready to reach out to you. This morning, listen to me. God is there. God has been there the whole time. In fact, what you can do is you can be overwhelmed with fear. You can be so overwhelmed with fear that it paralyzes you from doing what God wants you to do. It can, it can cause you to forget God's blessings. It can cause you to forget who God is. It can cause you to forget who you are in Him. And hear me, what you have to do, just like worry, you have to give it to God. You have to say, God, here it is. I'm not going to play with it anymore. I'm not going to mess it with it anymore. God, I'm giving it to you, and I'm walking away. Remember, church, to focus on God. Focus on God. Eliminate negative thoughts. Activate your faith. But more importantly, just rest in the fact that God's presence is real, and it's here. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, during this time, it's so easy to be overwhelmed. God, we realize we turn on the news and it's either become worse or somebody's talking about no hope. Now, God, we, we can cower behind all these things and sit back and just think, oh no, what am I going to do? Or we can trust in you. God, some of us, it's not it's not this fear of the pandemic that's got us. It's, it's fear of other things. God, some of us can't sleep at night because of fear. Some of us are overwhelmed because of fear of losing our job, fear of losing a loved one, fear of, of sickness. God, we're overwhelmed. God, what we got to do? Over and over again, in fact, 365 times, you say, do not 
be afraid. God, help us not be afraid. God, help us to realize that the opposite of fear is not courage. It's faith in you. So God, today, may we, may we really reach out. I know you're watching this morning. I know you're gathered around with your loved ones. But it'd be good for some of us just to stop. Just say, God, help me not to become a person of fear, but a person of faith. As my family watches me during this time, do they see me as a person who is boldly declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ? Or do they see me someone who's caught up in what society is telling us, the news is telling us? Are we captured with fear? It'd be good for some of us just to say, God, forgive me. God, come back and just give me that passion that I once had. Help me to remember that you've never left me. You never will forsake me. God, we need you today. And if you do that, church, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Some of you did this last week, and I appreciate it. Reach out to us. Either send me a message via Facebook, send one of us, the leaders here, a message. Text me, call me, so that we can pray with you, so that we can pray for you. Listen, God has not left you. He will not leave you alone, especially in times of trouble. He will be right there with you. We love you so much. We appreciate you watching. And I know I just prayed, but I'm going to pray again, because some of you may be making some decisions right now. Maybe you need to ask your children about what, they, what they're afraid of here later. Some of the adults, and just have a good conversation of why we need to put our faith and trust in the Almighty. God, I pray that you be with the families and those watching. God, some are watching with their families. God, some are all by themselves. And God, they even have greater fears. God, it's so easy to get wrapped up and captured into what is going on around us that we, we may say that we have great faith. But the only way that we know that we have great faith comes through great times of testing. So, Father, I pray, God, that we truly are holding on to you during this time. God, I pray for the men of our church and the men that are watching. God, help them to be bold in their faith. Help them to stand faithfully during this time with their family. God, for the, for the mothers, the wives, the women that are watching, help them to stand faith to you and not show fear. God, to the, the young adults, to the children that are watching, help them realize that we have nothing to fear if our eyes are on Jesus Christ. God, help us to realize that when I am afraid, yet I will trust in God. Father, we thank you for this time. We love you and we praise you. In your son's name, amen. We want to thank you again for watching. Um, I can't say this enough. During this time, there are so many people behind the scenes that you don't know that are, are doing things to make this possible. And so I thank them and I thank you. And just know as a church that we're still praying, we're still watching, and we're longing for the day that we can meet again in God's house. God bless you.